Welcome to Awakenings Movement Podcast. Awakenings Movement is a community where dreamers become believers and believers become doers. There is this pervasive um, phenomenon that's sweeping our culture and the rate of accidents that have happened because of texting while driving is evidence of this. The rate of um, folks who cannot be in a conversation without checking their phones is a result of this. One restaurant did an anthropological study because they received comment, um, comments and complaints that their service was going down. And they did a study of what was happening in their restaurants and what they realized was people were so busy on their phones that they were taking too long to order and their food was getting cold. And then they were saying it was the restaurant's fault. And so this, um, so psychologists and now psychiatrists are now studying this phenomenon. Hey, Michelle. Oh, I love you so much. I just, I can't wait to hug you. Um, uh, psychologists, oh Lord, are studying this phenomenon and are discovering that there is an addiction to our devices, right? And this addiction to our devices is being driven by a new condition that just got um, inducted into the Oxford Dictionary. It's called FOMO, fear of missing out. <laughs> Has anybody ever heard of FOMO? Anybody? Oh, Robin, I know you. Robin, you know everything. Robin knows everything. But anyway, there's this, this new condition, this psychological condition called fear of missing out that drives our addiction to our devices. And FOMO is this pervasive apprehension that others might be having rewarding experiences from which one is absent. FOMO is characterized by the desire to stay continually connected with what others are doing. That's an a, a essay by Science Direct, uh, uh, abstract. So there's an article called Never Heard of FOMO, You're Still Missing Out. Um, <laughs> that came out in The Guardian. And um, it's, the author says, we forget how to be in the moment and neglect the secret thrill of an experience that is ours alone, not broadcast on the internet. We're too busy tweeting about the scent of those roses to actually breathe it in, okay? So FOMO demonstrates our human desire to connect and our anxiety around not being accepted by others. That's the heart of FOMO, you know? That's the heart of being afraid of missing out is what are other folks doing that I need to know about? Um, some of the studies that I read said some, people, some people's FOMO is driven by not wanting to be um, left out of conversation so that when you hear folks talking about stuff, you immediately start Googling and searching and looking on Facebook to see what they're talking about. Um, different forms of speech, slang, uh, also, uh, events and experiences, you don't want to miss an event or an experience and then be like the whack one for not knowing about it or not going or whatever. Um, but all of it boils down to this innate, intrinsic desire that we have to be accepted by other people. So that's what fear of missing out, that's the heart of fear of missing out. And so um, some of you guys are like enjoying this concept of FOMO, but you're saying that's not me. So BuzzFeed, I found this little quiz about how we can assess how badly we suffer from FOMO, because some of us are in FOMO denial, right? Um, 
And I, some of the uh, questions were inappropriate to, to uh, explore in a worship gathering, so I just pulled a few out. So <laughs> what I want you all to do is answer these questions in your hearts. You don't have to answer them out loud. You can make eye contact with me. I will keep your answers in a vault in my heart, okay? The first one. Everyone at work simultaneously laughs at something that has been emailed around, but you didn't get anything. What do you do? Do you, you don't say anything? You just sit there and sulk about being left out? You instantly demand that someone send you whatever it was? What was it? Send it to me right now. I didn't get it. You complain to HR that you're being left out? Or you ignore it. If it was that funny, somebody would pass it on. That's the, like, cool, okay. When do you go home from a night out? When your crush leaves? When you're tired? <laughs> when you run out of money? Or when they turn on the lights in the club? Which one? <laughs> this one is my personal favorite. Your friends check themselves into a bar on Facebook and you didn't know they were out. You stay in bed. You like the status so they know you know to make them feel bad. That's called an ironic like. <laughs> Pretend you didn't see it and text them asking what they're up to or you turn up uninvited and turn up. <laughs> so if you answered any of these questions, um, like from the, the second one down or from the bottom one up, you might have a little FOMO going on. Do we have, does anybody have a little FOMO going on? Oh, good, thank you. I, I appreciate your honesty. Y'all, at some point, we all experience FOMO. At some point, we all have felt like everybody's hanging out without us. At some point, we all have felt left out. Um, let me scan the room real quick. Okay. Can I share a personal story of my FOMO with y'all? When I was little, I did not, some, some of you guys know my story. I was not raised by my actual parents. Um, I was raised by my godparents, two wonderful older people who were like old school educators, you know. They still live on the north side to this day. And, um, and I had a great childhood upbringing out there, very stable. Now my parents were much younger parents. And so um, my godparents, you know, said, let us take her, y'all, you know, go get all that young stuff out and come get her, you know, when y'all finish school or whatever. And so I used to go visit them on the weekends. Um, and one weekend, I remember, I was probably about eight or nine, I went to my aunt's house and saw a professional family portrait that my whole family had gone to like dress up and take, and I was not in the picture. Um, and it was like, you went to like Sears, and like you had the backdrop, you know what I'm saying? And you had like everybody was in their little you know, clothes, smiling, and um, like it, it was my little sister in the picture, I saw my dad in the picture, I saw my grandmother and my aunt, um, but I wasn't in the picture. And so that was like, in my eight-year-old mind, I couldn't, I, of course I can reason now and say, I know I lived far, I know I lived with my godparents, so they probably couldn't work it out to, you know, get me in the picture, and they didn't want to like stop the whole picture for a little eight-year-old. You know, I can kind of reason now, but in my eight-year-old mind, I was like, are they doing awesome things every weekend without me? <laughs> you know, and, and, and it would continue to happen. They would go on trips or, um, just happened to do things in the city. And because I lived somewhere else, I was constantly, hey guys, I was constantly um, paranoid that my family was having these awesome experiences without me. And I think that bled over into my adult life. Um, I think that as I grew up in college, 
went to high school and went to college, I was constantly, like, um, my friends would always joke, and we would always take a where's so-and-so picture. My friends would always joke and be like, we'll never take a where's Danielle picture, because you're always going to make it. Like, you're, all, you're not going to miss nothing. And I was like, that's right. Y'all ain't going to leave me out. Like, you know? <laughs> and so um, I, on a very deep level, at a very young age, experienced, like, family FOMO, you know? And so it literally is a, a condition that's close to my heart, you know, because I think that we all sh have struggled with this and we all have struggled with the underlying meaning, which is, you know, are people rejecting me right now? Like, what did I do? Like, what did I say? Like, why don't people want me around? And so as I've grown, God has illuminated some amazing things that can help, I believe, help all of us move through the experience of feeling unaccepted and then to this pathway of really understanding and living in your acceptance. And so I want to ex explore that with you guys today. Um, before I do that, y'all, we're reading a book together called The Boy Who Cried Abba. This is the book. And starting on April 23rd, we're going to start exploring not just this book, but what it means to accept acceptance at a gathering we call ECHO. ECHO is going to happen on Thursdays at 7, and it's just a time where we can um, really explore and resound the principles that we're learning inside the worship gathering. It's a time to deeply explore it. Um, and we will be exploring this book, and we'll be exploring the larger themes. So I want you to feel free to come to this experience. Invite your friends. You don't have to read the book to come, but, read, but, but joining us is probably going to make you want to read the book, so that's cool. Um, but it's going to be, and it, it was scrolling in the announcements, and we'll have the announcements scrolling at the end, but it'll be here starting April 23rd, and we're going to um, base the first conversation on pages 1 through 19 of The Boy Who Cried Abba. The book in, in its entirety is 80 pages long. So every week we'll kind of loosely reference 20 pages at a time. Hmm? Um, so that's the next thing. Farrell in the back has ordered 12 copies of the book. Um, and so if you want one of the copies that she's ordered, she has four left, four left. So if you want one of the copies that Farrell has already ordered, the cost is $10. Um, so see Farrell immediately after our gathering um, because she came in with 12. And at the run through, um, <laughs> How many got taken? Four. You already had four spoken for. Another four were purchased, and so she has four left. Amazon. <laughs> Good, Regina. Regina gonna get her sale. Um, now again, you can order the book from Barnes and Noble. You can also order the book from Half Price Doc, Half Price Books, and they'll order it and have it shipped to the store for you. So if you don't find it on Amazon at a price that's affordable for you, there are some other options. All right? So the book, Kelly, will you hand me my book? It's, it's sitting right over there. I always forget to grab it. So man, listen. The book is about this little boy named Willie Wan, right? So Willie Wan lives in this little village, and Willie Wan's um, uh, father, left his mother. Willie Wan's mother worked so hard to support him that she ended up 
unfortunately passing away at a young age. So Willie Wong was raised by his grandmother, this lady named Calm Sunset. Now Willie Wong, Calm Sunset, yeah. So, and I'm not gonna like spoil it for you, but I just wanna kind of give you the, the kind of the, the gist of what we're exploring. So Willie Wan lived with his grandmother. Willie Wan's uh, descent was very mixed. So Willie Wan had this strange texture of hair. It was very curly, but he lived in a little pueblo in Mexico. Uh, Willie Wan had a very strange skin tone. It was kind of burnt orange. And he had a strange skin condition that gave his skin a weird texture. On top of that, Willie Wan had like a bad leg, so he had a, a limp. And he was a little kid. So L Willie Wan had a lot of trouble socially. And uh, Willie Wan, even the adults in Willie Wan's life would kind of um, displace their anger onto him because they knew that Willie Wan did not have the adults to advocate for him that the other kids had. So there was really no consequence for treating him badly. So both the adults and the kids would treat Willie Wan poorly because of his appearance and because of his social situation. And all Willie Wan wanted to do was just have friends. And so Willie Wan would see the kids playing and try to go play with them and they would like reject him. And he would hear about things that the kids had done and literally try to catch up with them and they would push him and they would hurt him and they would send him flying because of his bad leg and laugh at him. And so Willie Wan, we, we find Willie Wan at a place in his life in this book where he really is kind of heartbroken and he's about to give up on people and he, he, he runs into this character that we know is Jesus um, that is called the medicine man um, and his grandmother calm sunset has told him about the medicine man before um, and so we will experience the relationship that he has with the medicine man but to kind of bring that all into a very short summary, Willy Wan has FOMO, okay? Um, the medicine man is who um, is going to help him heal, not only from his FOMO, but from some, some of the other pains of his past. Now this is the kind of the most transformative part of the book, and this is gonna be later in the book. Can y'all see this? Willy Wan is talking to the medicine man and the medicine man is assuring Willy Wan of who he is. He says, you're one of a kind, little friend. You're beautiful because you reflect my beauty in a way the world has never seen before and will never see again. Some people in the village think you're a loser. It's pretty harsh. But those who understand me and the words I speak know the secret I carry in my heart. The losers are really the winners. This is the, this is the part that I love. Now don't think anything. Don't intend anything. Don't promise to do anything special, Willie Wan. Simply accept that you are accepted. Of course you're weak and flawed. But remember, I don't have any friends who aren't. That's not what matters. All that matters is that you have the courage to accept acceptance. I'd like to ask a question, another um, question that's not a part of the FOMO quiz, but I, I'd like to ask, you ought to answer this in your hearts. Do you have the courage to accept acceptance? Like while we're so busy navigating how we should look, what we should say, what we should have, how we should behave, in order to develop and cultivate and keep the relationships that we want, do we have the courage to fully accept and embrace 
the acceptance that God has for us? Can you accept your acceptance? Can we conceive of it? Can we grasp of it? Like, what would the world look like if everyone, before their feet hit the carpet in the morning, getting out of bed, accepted that they were fully accepted and and loved by God? Like, what would the world look like? What would your world look like? What would our tone sound like? What, What would our vocabulary be like? What would our volume be like? if we truly accepted our acceptance. I think that acceptance is the antidote to FOMO. I think that when we truly accept our acceptance, I think our fear of missing out is replaced by this deep sense of security and this deep sense of knowing that we already have what we need. Like Michelle saying, we already have it all. That we don't need to strive and struggle and beg and uh, be desperate for the acceptance that we think we need because we already have what we need. And so scripture gives us a roadmap to how to accept acceptance. Ella did a great job last Sunday of leading the offering moment. And Ella, the scripture that you referenced, that John 3.16, um, that really stayed with me all week because I think that John 3.16 is an amazing moment in the world that we can stand on when we are starting to experience the fear that we are missing out on something or someone that we need. Let's read this together. Ready? Go. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Does it say by having the perfect marriage? You can have a whole and lasting life. Does it say by owning a beautiful home, you can have a whole? Does it say by having a gaggle of friends and you all put your adventures on Instagram every Sunday after brunch? Does it say that you can have a whole and lasting life? Does it say having all the money that you need and more money than you have bills gives you the whole and lasting life? What does it say? By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. The next part of the scripture really kind of digs deeper into it. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Do y'all know how often we spend pointing fingers at each other, telling each other how bad we are? Do you understand how in our conversations, even our little side comments sometimes have an undertone of, you're terrible. <laughs> You're awful. Do you know how often we hear those messages about ourselves? Oftentimes from the people who are closest to us, and we often deliver the messages to the people that we are closest to. Isn't it refreshing to know that God did not go through all the trouble of sending his son just to highlight and illuminate how terrible we are? Like we do a good job of that on our own. God is like, y'all got that part. Y'all are calling each other losers all day long. I am here to call you a winner. I'm here to call you accepted. I'm here to call you loved. I'm here to call you redeemed. I'm here to call you beautiful. I'm here to call you valuable. I'm here to let you know you already have what you need. He came to help to put the world right again. The world is not right right now, y'all. It's not right. The way we talk to each other, the way we treat each other, the way even the systems that we have in place to protect our culture is flawed, the world ain't right. 
And so the only way to have a whole and lasting life is to activate a belief in this God that tells us that we are already accepted because he gave his son. I know what you're saying, though, like, yeah, okay, I believe that. I learned that in Sunday school. I learned it when I was a little kid. I don't feel any different. Emotionally, I don't feel any different, and my situation has not changed. My relationships haven't changed. My mama still acts the way she does. My daddy still acts the way she does. My child still acts the way he or she does. Nothing has changed. Well, let's just keep going. The first thing we need to ask ourselves is when we are experiencing this fear of missing out, like what exactly do we fear? Like have you ever really sat down to really explore exactly what it is we're afraid of? Some of our behavior is so automatic. Some of our behavior is so pathological that we don't stop and assess the pattern to see what the pattern is telling us about what's really happening in our hearts. So what I want you to do, again in your hearts, is just ask yourself, what am I really afraid of? Particularly as it relates to FOMO. Like, I, am, am, am I afraid that people doing things without me means this? Am I afraid that not knowing something means this about me? Like, what am I really afraid of? Now, the way to activate our belief is to turn our belief into an active dialogue with God. So now you have to ask yourself, how has God shown his love for me? So we switch our mentality from what we're actually afraid of to how has God actively demonstrated his love for us? Do you know that love casts out all fear? That's not even just a scripture, that is a fact. Love banishes fear. The, uh, the two are polar opposites that cannot exist in the same place. So let's say this together. This is the mantra that God has given us in order to move from a place of fear to a place of acknowledging the love that we have. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. When I fear being left by others, I will remember being pursued by God. God is the only entity that relentlessly pursues his creation. Every flower, every blade of grass, every element in nature, every wind that blows, every experience that we have is a whisper from the Holy Spirit saying, look at how much I love you. Every time, I heard this old Baptist preacher say this and I loved it, every time God leans over the clouds and whispers your name to wake you up in the morning, that's evidence of his love for you. Because we don't have to wake up, you know. So can we remember this? Can we recite this one more time? Let's go. When I fear being left by others, I will remember being pursued by God. Now, FOMO, the fear of missing out. The next question we have to ask ourselves is, what am I missing? I've had to ask myself this question over and over again because the story that I shared with you guys earlier has repeated itself in these strange cycles in my life. Um, I've always been set apart. I've always been a weirdo. I've always had opinions and um, thoughts that were not popular. <laughs> and so I've always experienced hearing about things that happened after the fact that didn't include me. And so I've always had to ask myself, okay, what am I really missing? Like what, let me assess the true value of what I feel like I'm missing out on. Okay, 
And now when that starts to drive you crazy, you then shift your focus to what has God given me? You see, when you focus on what we're missing, that can lead down an endless spiral of depression, of sadness, of anxiety, of meanness, because everything we do is a response to what we're missing. But what if we think about what God has given us? What if our mood and what if our choices, again, our tone, our volume, our vocabulary was an overflow of what God has given us, not of what we're missing? How will we respond differently to the challenges and to the, the joys in life? Because you know sometimes we ignore the joys in life because we're so focused on what we're missing. We ignore what's going good. Like, yeah, that's fine, but I still ain't got what I want, so whatever. <laughs> that's good. Oh, I got a, Oh, I went to the doctor and nothing's really wrong? Oh, great, but I still don't have my purse and my shoes that I was trying to get because I had to pay my rent and my car note. Oh, I got a car, so it's not the car I want, so. So what has God given us? Let's read this together. When I feel dropped by others, I will remember that I am held by God. So don't you feel like that when you feel left out of something or when you feel like you missed out on something? Don't you feel kind of dropped? I felt dropped. And if we remember that we're being held by God, and we remember that the God that holds what's called the firmament in place, is holding us together, if we remember that the God that's holding the stars in the sky is also holding all of the electrical functions of our body in check and keeping us together, if we remember that the God that is completely working the whole universe at the same time is remembering us, how would our perspective be different? And then the last The last little part of FOMO is that fear of missing out, like just always being out. This is a question I constantly uh, find myself exploring, like how am I on the outside, you know? So we constantly, this, this idea of FOMO comes from this idea that folks are scrolling Facebook not just to see what their friends are up to, but what people are doing that um, does not involve them, that's better and to compare themselves to, you know? So how is the, and, and uh, the, the, the article that I read talked about how uh, Facebook can sometimes be a literal um, keeping up with the Joneses and a literal grass is greener on the other side because sometimes you keep up with people that you really wouldn't come into contact with otherwise, like exes and like frenemies and like people that you don't really hang out with, but you're very clear on what they're doing in their lives, you know what I'm saying? And so it's a very unhealthy way to constantly be comparing your current life against the life you could have had if you would have stayed with that person or if you would have remained friends with this person or if you would have stayed at that old job, you know? So you constantly are thinking about how we're on the outside. A new way to change the perspective is, dude, how can I get out with God? Like, how can I move into creation and explore all that God has created? Like, how can I move out of my funk How can I remove my device from in front of my face and explore and appreciate what's right here around me and in front of me? How can I get out with God and acknowledge what's in front of me? It's so interesting. One of the the rules that I created for myself, uh, this was probably uh, maybe 2008. Um, I had gone through a terrible, just heartbreaking experience. 
And I said, every time I feel like somebody has hurt my feelings or done something wrong to me or left me out or done something that I don't like, I'm going to go treat myself. I'm going to do something nice for myself. And that happened a lot. So I had to change my budget for my treats. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to go to the spa. I'm just going to go get a snow cone because <laughs> it's like the sixth time somebody hurt my feelings this week. Um, but I started to really explore the city like a tourist. And so I, I discovered the Japanese garden at Herman Park, and it was in full bloom. And I went to the, um, I went on a night hike and with, like at this state park out in Rosenberg, and I decided to go take myself on these amazing little dates, and I was really happy. You know, I was like, every time I would have a negative experience, I would literally start planning the next way I was gonna treat myself and like really care for myself. And I didn't know, but somebody was watching Devon, and he was like, hmm. I like how you treat yourself, that guy. <laughs> and now we're married, so hey, it worked out for me. But um, so the question to ask yourself is, how can I get out with God? How can I enjoy what God has created? And how can I literally savor what I have in the world and not focus on this kind of mysterious what if about what I'm missing out on? Let's read this together. When I feel like an outsider, I will find joy inside my relationship with my creator. Don't you know the Bible says to delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart? Like that's a real thing, y'all. Like if you delight yourself in what God has done and who God is, you will become more excited about and in tune with who you really are and begin to make decisions that one decision at a time end up being the destiny that God wills for our lives. But if we're constantly thinking of how we fear, what we're missing out on, we will focus on and we will start to put all of our energy, our resource, and our very valuable time towards responding and reacting to what we're missing out on and not appreciating what we have. How often do we react to what we think we're missing instead of actively responding to what we have? And faith without works is dead, y'all. So this, this is the part that goes from, okay, I believe this and I agree with this to like, I'm going to activate this in my life. I'm going to turn these mantras into steps. I'm going to turn these little words into big actions. I'm going to interrupt the patterns of sulking and being depressed and complaining in my life. And I'm going to put my feet in a new position and work towards walking in this new uh, habit of appreciating what God has. I'm going to go to the park today. I'm going to go uh, 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 enjoy a, a child today. I'm going to go take myself to the movies today. I'm going to get a recipe and actually follow the directions and complete the meal from beginning to end. I'm going to get all the right stuff, right? And then I'm going to watch culinary creativity happen in my kitchen. I'm going to get off my couch. I'm going to enjoy the relationships that I do have instead of complaining about the ones that I don't. This is what the, the end of the article says. Find the off switch on that iPhone and remind it who's boss, rather than letting it enslave you by exploiting your deeply human anxieties. Do how often do we allow things around us to exploit our human anxieties? Can I tell you something? That's all the advertising agency is. That's all the commercial is. If you see it on a commercial, don't buy it. 
Don't buy it. <laughs> it's just designed to exploit your deepest human insecurities. And it's designed to trigger your anxieties and make you spend money. But instead, we can steward our resources and our energy and our time towards caring for and really investing in what God has given us. And we'll come out with so much more of a return on our investment because stuff doesn't make us feel any better. I mean, initially it does. I ain't going to lie about that. I'd be happy about them bags and them tags. I'd be happy. But when I put the bags away, when I hang the clothes up, and when I wear them a couple of times, I'm still in the same place. Right. Just with more stuff. So this is the last, um, the last part of that John 3.16 kind of passage. Let's read this together. Ready? Go. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. I'm introducing the Son of God to you right now as if it were the first time. Would you rather the death sentence without even knowing it? Or would you rather be acquitted? Don't you think it's interesting that the scripture would use the term acquitted? Because that, that implies that we all have stuff that we need to be forgiven for. We all have stuff that we need to let go of. We all have made decisions that are not the best. That is a blanket statement, and I think we can all agree that no one is exempt unless you're Jesus. So why don't we trust him so that we can experience this relief? To be acquitted means to be released from all charges. That's why that word makes you so mad in terms of these white-collar crimes. Because when people get acquitted, they are completely released. Don't you want to be released? Yes. I want to be released. So let's be released, guys. As Ella comes and leads us through um, the offering moment, I want to invite you to fully recognize when Jesus is introducing himself to you. Fully recognize your acceptance. I want you to have the same conversation with Jesus that Willie Wan did. Don't think anything. Don't intend anything. Don't promise to do anything special. Simply accept that you are accepted. Of course you're weak and flawed, but remember, I don't have any friends who aren't. That's not what matters. All that matters is that you have the courage to accept acceptance. Do you have the courage to accept acceptance?